0: on Apple TV. Some of you are nodding your heads uh, in, in recognition. So it's a historical fiction drama that follows the U.S. space program through the decades. The catch is, is that it operates under the, the premise that the Russians were the first to land on the moon. In an episode that we watched this week, there was an escalation and tension between the U.S. and the Soviet Union prompted by an incident on the moon, so much so that the Russians sent warships to Central America. And because of the threat of an imminent nuclear attack, uh, sirens began going off all over the United States in the show, including a siren going off in the middle of Johnson Space Command in Houston, Texas, where NASA engineers and mission control were trying to concentrate on on guiding and communicating astronauts experiencing their own crisis on the moon. The siren was was so loud and realistic in the show that it was distracting from the couch. In fact, I remember Lauren saying, that's really annoying. And it was. Ironically, the characters in the TV show were the ones who somehow managed to stay undistracted in their, in their fictional jobs in that moment, despite the, the siren blasting, able to focus on what was most important in that moment. Isn't that what we all want? To be able to live life more undistracted. That even when, that even when distractions might flare, like a siren blaring in the background, that we can be, that we can be focused and we can be committed, and we can be where our feet are, and we can pay attention and devote ourselves to what really matters, including the abundant life that God gives to us. Be present with and for family and our faith, relationships and our purpose our service to others. So two weeks ago, we started a brand new series for a brand new year called Undistracted. Undistracted. I began this series two weeks ago talking about what it looks like to live more undistracted when it, comes to, uh, when it comes to our purpose. And then last week, Tim shared a wonderful sermon about living undistracted when it comes to our faith. Today, we dig into living more undistracted in our attitude. Let us pray. God, open our hearts and minds to your word for us this day. We pray that it would take root there, grow us, and transform us, that we might live for you and bear fruit for your kingdom. This we pray through Christ our Lord. Amen. A reading this morning from Paul's letter to the Philippians, chapter 4, verses 4 through 13. Be glad in the Lord always. Again, I say, be glad. Let your gentleness show in your treatment of all people. The Lord is near. Don't be anxious about anything. Rather, bring up all of your requests to God in your prayers and petitions, along with giving thanks. Then the peace of God that exceeds all understanding will keep your hearts and minds safe in Christ Jesus. From now on, brothers and sisters, if anything is excellent and if anything is admirable, focus your thoughts on these things, all that is true, all that is holy, all that is just, all that is pure, all that is lovely, and all that is worthy of praise. Practice these things. Whatever you learned, received, heard, or saw in us, the God of peace will be with you. I was very glad in the Lord because now at last you have shown concern for me again. Of course, you were always concerned but had no way to show it. I'm not saying this because I need anything for I have learned how to be content in any circumstance. I know the experience of being in need and of having more than enough. I have learned the secret to being content in any and every circumstance whether full or hungry, whether having plenty or being poor. I can endure all these things through the power of the one who gives me strength. This is the word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. Attitude is everything. I still remember my sixth grade teacher having a poster with these words up on the wall of his classroom, along with a bunch of other short, inspirational, if not cliche, sayings. I think he and Ted Lasso would have hit it off really well. Attitude is everything. Poster cliche notwithstanding, it's really kind of true, isn't it? Psychologists define attitude as a set of emotions, beliefs, and behaviors toward a particular person, object, or event. Our attitude involves our feelings, right? How someone or something makes us feel. They involve our, our thoughts about said person or, or thing. And attitudes influence our behavior. It's both Attitudes are both a response to what life throws at us and our anticipation of what life could throw at us. Attitudes attitudes touch everything in our lives. We all know what it is to wake up on the wrong side of the bed or to have a, a negative attitude or bad attitude creep into our lives and it starts to permeate and affect everything about our day. And attitude is also something that we choose. It's actually one of the few things in life that we have some control over. And attitudes are also totally visible. Right? We can all tell pretty easily when we're around someone with a bad attitude versus someone with a good attitude. Envy, selfishness, perfectionism, discontent, mistrust, ungratefulness, contempt, judgment, superiority, insecurity, criticism, impatience. I'm sure you could probably add to that list of, of negative or unholy attitudes. It's so easy, friends, isn't it, to get distracted by by these negative attitudes. Get distracted by one or more of these and it can taint your whole day, your experience of God's goodness, your sense of purpose, your sense of what's possible can pull you away from the people who love you and who you love and the gift of life all around you. Distracted by an attitude of envy or discontent, and we miss the abundant life we already have. Distracted by uh, perfectionism, us, the church, other people, other things are never good enough. Distracted by, by judgment or criticism, and we miss out on being to love ourselves and our neighbors as God intends. Distracted by impatience, and our joy in the moment is robbed. Being distracted in our attitude happens slowly. Think about being at the beach and the difference between a riptide and just a normal slow ocean currents. Unholy attitude distractions are much more like slow moving currents. We gradually drift to a place of cynicism or impatience or whatever other negative attitude that's distracting us. In fact, just this week I was reading the story of Jesus calling Philip and Nathaniel to be his disciples in the Gospel of John, and I was reminded of how Nathaniel's attitude toward people from Nazareth almost distracted him away from following and saying yes to Jesus. If you remember the story, Philip was telling Nathaniel all about a meeting, this amazing man, named Jesus, and that he also happened to be from Nazareth. And and Nathaniel responds with an attitude, "Can, can anything good come from Nazareth? What might we be missing out on? Even when it comes to Jesus, when distracted by bad attitudes. The attitudes are contagious also. A bad attitude from one person can spread to another person, co-opting them also. I think about the story that my dad likes to tell of a time he was visiting my Nana in her assisted living home near the end of her life. He was in the dining hall and was witness to bad attitudes spreading like wildfire. It started with one person complaining loudly about the green beans these green beans are terrible. Soon everyone, even those with mouthfuls of green beans in their mouth clearly enjoying them, set down their forks and joined in the chorus of discontent. Yeah, these green beans are terrible. Until the whole cafeteria was riled up, responding in disgust to the food. Attitudes are contagious. Attitudes are everything. So how do we live more undistracted in our attitude. When we're driving a car on the highway, there are rumble strips on the road that warn us when we are drifting off the road. And I want to share two questions that are like rumble strips when it comes uh, to being distracted in our attitude that can help us. And these questions are similar to the type of questions that come up in a practice of prayer called the daily examine. It's a prayerful uh, looking back at your day, your thoughts, your emotions, uh, your feelings, your attitudes uh, through the lens uh, of, of God's grace. And these questions are what do I know to be true about God? What do I know to be true about myself? What do I know to be true about God? What do I know to be true about myself? Psalm 139, part of which we did for our call to worship, is a a powerful and a familiar psalm about God creating us and knowing us inside and out. And throughout this psalm, the psalmist is affirming what he knows to be true about God, as well as asking God to help him know himself and his own tendencies more. What is true about God in the psalm? According to the psalmist, God is loving God is is careful creator. God knows us inside and out. God loves us always. God is with us always. God's works are awesome. What is true about the psalmist? She is known. She is fearfully and wonderfully made. And the psalmist wants God's help in getting to know herself even more. As she asks, search me and know me, God. Search me and know me. I wonder what would it look like for us to do that when we start to feel ourselves being distracted by unholy attitudes. To touch those rumble strips and to ask ourselves, okay, what do I know to be true about God? What do I know to be true about myself? God, I know you to be a God of great patience and care. You're all, you always wait for me. You, uh, you know how to just be with God. I know that I'm wired to always want to get right to work and I have a hard time waiting. I'm sensing impatience here, God. Help me to see the opportunities here and having to wait. Help me to be just with. Or God, I I know that you're a God who is gracious. You're a God who's generous. You bless us in so many ways each and every day. God, I know one of my tendencies is to always think that something could be better. I'm sensing some discontent or envy welling up. Help, Help me choose gratitude. Friends, we know what God is like. We know what is true about God because of Jesus. We know what God is like because of Scripture or the, our lived experience in community together or in worship or in prayer. I know to be true about God? And there are also wonderful tools that can help us learn about ourselves so that we can also ask and answer the what do I know to be true about myself Question when we start to be distracted by an unholy or unhealthy attitude. I personally love the Enneagram. I don't know if any of you are familiar with that personality tool. It's a great resource for that. Throwing a slide up there uh, that will that will take you to an Enneagram test that will help you be able to get to know yourself better and in that way. Now, this is a free test, and then you can Google the results on the internet. What do I know to be true about God? What do I know to be true about myself? And once we felt those rumble strips, then we can choose to focus on what God holds out before us like a driver focusing on the road ahead. Because attitude begins by what we focus on what we choose to focus on. Paul, in the conclusion to his letter to the Philippians, which is often called the letter or epistle of joy, encourages followers of Jesus to think on or focus on certain things. Whatever is excellent, whatever is admirable, true, holy, just, pure, lovely, worthy of praise. All of these things, of course, have their ultimate source in God. The Greek word that we translate there as focus thoughts or think on or think about literally suggests depositing something into an account. In other words, our brain is an account. And we should be intentional about what we're depositing in there if we want to be undistracted in our attitude. It reminds me of an illustration uh, speaker and author Bob Goff uses he talks about getting a call from an inmate that he had developed a relationship with through teaching a class in prison. The inmate informed him that he was on the other side of the wall, finally. He had been released. What was your your first thought when you stepped outside? Bob asked. He was anticipating some kind of incredible and meaningful answer. Kevin paused on the other end of the line and said, I realized I've got pockets. Wait, what? Bob thought. And then in a moment of clarity, realizing that this was actually a theological moment, Bob said, yeah, be careful what you put in them. It's a big truth. We all have pockets here in our brain. And it's what we put in them, keep in them, that makes all the difference in the world. That can either be distractions or help us to focus on what really matters. Whatever is excellent, admirable, true, just, lovely, beautiful, pure, worthy of praise, deposit. Deposit. Put in your your pocket. Now, let's be honest, that's really hard. Really hard, especially since it runs counter, totally opposite to a lot of the attitudes deposited by modern media and culture. I mean, TV, radio, Twitter, Facebook, articles all seem to input all that is unholy and untrue and unjust and impure and ugly and vicious and blameworthy. Hard as it is, it is our God-empowered choice that guides what we focus on, what we think about. Because when we focus our minds on the good and the right and the just and the lovely and the beautiful, we also become focused and fixated on the source of what is good and right and lovely and beautiful and just, which is God, God. that's why Paul connects this list of what to put in our brain pockets with the ultimate secret, he says. He calls it the ultimate secret to being content. I've learned the secret, he says. I've learned how to, to be where my feet are. I've learned to, to be undistracted. I've lived through all that life can throw at a person. And whatever I have and wherever I am, I can make it through anything through the one who gives me strength and makes me who I am, Jesus Christ. Ultimately, friends, it is the power of Jesus Christ himself and us being in close relationship with him that Paul names as the secret to being undistracted in our attitude, no matter what life throws at us. Whatever is good and right and just and lovely and beautiful pulls us toward the person and the power of Jesus Christ. It's going to happen this week. Maybe it's even happening right now. There's a siren going off. And it's loud. It's an unholy or unhealthy attitude. And it's distracting you. Or will distract you. From God. From your purpose. From special people in your life. From what is beautiful and abundant right where you are. And when it happens, friends, I pray that we'll, we'll touch the rumble strips. What do I know to be true about God? What do I know to be true about me? And I pray that we would then be able to focus on what is good and beautiful and right and true and just and lovely and worthy of praise, all while tapping into the, the presence of the living Christ in us. That is how we begin to live less. Distracted in our attitudes. Yeah, attitude is everything. Even more, holy attitude is everything.